I don't know why my series are so long. I don't have three or four part series. They're like, you know, 10 or 15 parts, but as long as you don't have to keep up with the count, it's okay. Because each week it's sort of, it's sort of new and different. Um, kind of in the same vein of thought, but it's a whole different idea. So we've been talking about wounds of our soul. And in case you hadn't heard the other parts, I'll just give you a quick update. Uh, so we have all these things in our lives that happen either what we inherit from birth or what we inherit through experiences in life when we're children, things that happen to us, our parents and friends and adults, you know, they, they say things to you that hurt you. They say things to you that uh, embarrass you or shame you. Uh, maybe friends. Um, wow. You know, friends can really be cruel. When I was a young man in high school, I had, I had some acne. Uh, you wouldn't know it now looking at me necessarily, but, uh, but one of my really good friends, you know, wow, you don't need many friends like that, but he called me Pimple Boy. I mean, he would call me that. He'd say, hey, Pimple Boy, how are you doing today? And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that created some weird feelings in me about the way that I looked. And, uh, and so all those experiences affect us. They leave wounds in our souls. Uh, I had some embarrassing experiences as a child, you know, and so for a long time, I mean, even as an adult, I didn't want to look people in the eyes. You know, I'd be talking to them you know, like this because I, I had been humiliated. And God doesn't want us to be like that. God wants us to be whole. And so that's the reason that we're talking about all this, because I guarantee you, all of you have those things in your life. Maybe you've been to cleansing streams so many times, you know every catfish by name, but you know, still, I promise you, there are areas in your life that you need to deal with. And so what we're talking about are all these different areas, and I'm trying to sort them out and figure out how God can heal us from those things. So those wounds in our soul, they affect us. And so if you were rejected, let's just say, let's say you've been rejected by your family or rejected by a spouse. Maybe you got really rejected by friends or you know, maybe you, know, you, could, you could use all kinds of examples. But if you were rejected, then you probably tend to always think people are going to hurt you and reject you. That's the way you respond to people. And most people who have been rejected and have really taken that on as part of who they are, it's a wound in their soul. So then all the experiences of life, they don't want to let anybody close because they don't want to be hurt again. They don't want to be rejected again. Uh, I've seen people, you, you come up to them and you try to hug them and they're just like, just like a board, you know. And it's because they, either because they weren't raised that way and they, that freaks them out or They've been hurt, and they don't want to let anybody close. Because you let someone close, they can hurt you. You know, that's who hurts you the most, is the closest people in your life. That's unfortunate, but um, we have the ability to hurt those that are closest to us because there's this expectation of safety and love and, and all that. And when you violate that, it hurts. And it hurts, you know, when some stranger calls me a dummy, that doesn't really bother me. When my wife calls me a dummy, you know, that hurts. <laughs> <clears throat> she didn't call me a dummy, uh, but I'm just saying, just so you can relate to what I'm saying to you. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really blessed. I've got, most of my life I've had people that were 
kind and good to me. You know, I had a stable family. Um, no one, you know, no one beat me or abused me or anything. And I, and I know there's a lot of people that have been through that sort of thing, verbal and mental and physical abuse. It, it leaves a mark on you. There are wounds in you that the Lord needs to heal because you can't ever look at the situation with other people correctly if you've got those wounds in you. So that's why we're talking about all this. And we're, I'm going through it and I'm repeating some stuff because I want to make sure you get it. That's one of the ways we learn stuff is by rote memory and repeating. And if you say it often enough, maybe you'll begin to actually believe it. Okay, so uh, we're going to continue in Psalms 23. We started there last week and uh, we got these wounds in our souls, so how are we going to get rid of those wounds? We're going to be healed. We're going to be restored. So I thought I was going to preach on restoration of our soul for like weeks and weeks, and then I realized there's not really only one great verse that talks about restoring your soul, and that's <laughs> Psalms 23. <laughs> there's a lot of other descriptions that refer to it, but as far as those actual words, that's really the big one. And so we're going to go through Psalms 23, uh, phrase by phrase, and, and I'm going to talk to you about how all that works. So <clears throat> last week we made it about a fourth of the way, I think. But let's read the whole Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in the green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I told you last week, but for those who might not have been here, I'll repeat it. The word restore in this passage, in the original language, it means to turn back, literally. To turn back, not necessarily to the beginning or the origin, but to turn back. And so this is what I think, this is what I think happens. When the Lord restores our soul, and this happens on a regular basis if you're seeking Him, there's some restoration that's happened here this morning. As we were worshiping the Lord, some healing and restoration happened for some people, maybe all of us. But as you allow the Lord to move in your life and He restores your soul, He turns your soul back, not all the way to Adam and Eve, but back that direction. He turns us back a little bit so our soul becomes more like Adam and Eve's soul was originally when they were created. They were created perfect. They had no sin nature. They, had, they didn't even know the difference between good and evil. And so they were, I mean, everything was just really hunky-dory for them because they didn't have a problem. They weren't worrying about what they're going to eat. They weren't worrying about what they were going to do. They weren't worried about how they were going to make their money. They weren't worried about raising their children or who's going to win the election. They weren't worrying about any of that. 
They were just walking and talking with the Lord, enjoying the goodness of God's provision. So when we get our souls turned back, then that means that we become a little bit more like Adam and Eve and that we put the sin nature down and we allow that inward nature of Christ to begin to, to be strengthened and the decisions we make began to be more towards the spiritual instead of the natural. Our thoughts, our attitudes, the words that come out of our mouth begin to be more spiritual rather than the natural because it's what's in you is what comes out of you. So when you, when you are filled with all kinds of meanness and ugliness and anger and frustration and bitterness and unforgiveness, all that poison inside of you, it just, it just comes out when you open your mouth. And I'm telling you, I've been around people when they talk, it's like, wow, man, that is just some really bitter, unhappy person. And then there's other people, you talk to them and they're just, I mean, it's just flowing like honey, you know, they're talking and it's all just like, man, this is, I could sit and listen to this for a, a long time because it's pleasant. We ought to be, as Christians, we ought to be flowing honey out of our mouths. I mean, it ought to be good stuff, not, not that poison coming out. Everybody has a moment, you know? I understand. Everybody has a moment. Some of us have hours, you know? <laughs> but what, what I would like to think is that you learn over time, you learn to control some of those outbursts and I always say, you know, I'm on the outside, I do pretty good. You know what I mean? On the inside, I know when I, I get angry still, and I usually don't blurt out something, you know, angry and hateful. I usually just sit in there. My wife says I make this funny little straight line thing with my lips when I'm mad, and she can tell. But, but I've gotten to where I try not to say much. Even though she may know I'm angry, I don't really say stuff. Because the thing about it, when you, you spit those words out, you can't bring them back. I mean, you can't pull them back. You can go back later and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. It, it's not ever quite the same. It's just best not to say something dumb or hateful or ugly because it, it hurts and you can't undo it. But I believe that, that this whole 23rd Psalm is about getting to the place where you recognize that the Lord is our shepherd, that the Lord is the one who is he is watching over us. He's taking care of us. Everything that we do is under His supervision, under His protection, under His provision, under His guidance and leadership. It's safe in that environment. And when we come to the place where we recognize all of that, and that's, that is what's in our heart. I mean, that's what we believe. That's how we see God. I guarantee you, you're going to get some restoration going on in your soul. When you get to the point where that's the way you see God, you're going to get some healing. But you've got you to gotta get past all those hurts and wounds. If you had a father that was abusive to you, even if he was a great father, but he just, you know, he would say things like, you know, that's dumb. You shouldn't do that. That's dumb. Don't do that. I mean, that hurts. Our Heavenly Father will never say that to you. So if you've had an experience with your earthly father that hurt you, then we tend to, to put all that on God too. 
God's going to do me the same way. God's going to judge me the same way. He's going to think I'm stupid because I made a mistake. If I make a mistake, I'm going to have to go to the woodshed. And, uh, you know, it's going to hurt him worse than me, baloney. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I never got that. I used to, you know, they used a belt on us. And I always thought, well, somehow that thing whiplashes around and hits them when they're beating me lifeless, you know. But, <laughs> no, they didn't really beat me lifeless. Sorry, Ma. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, I was a crier. I, um, I mean, I'd cry before I even got a spanking. They never spanked me very much because I'd just boo-hoo and cry, and they would, they'd feel sorry for me. We weren't all like that. There were five children. Some of them, they were just the opposite. It's like, you're not going to make me cry. And they're like, boy, that's dumb. You're, gonna get, you're really going to get a beating because they're going to beat you till you cry, you know? Anyway, but, but our, our experience, the way that we look at our Heavenly Father is... Until we're healed, it's largely based on how we looked at our earthly father. And if your earthly father wasn't perfect, which none of them were, then that means you've probably got some concepts about your heavenly father that you could stand to, to change and let him heal. So it's, that's part of the thing that we're talking about. Every, and every part of our life is affected by our relationship with the father, how you see the father. And that's why I'm saying this is so important when you recognize that, that the Lord is everything and it's all good there is no bad there is no evil there is no bad about god he is good and he does good in and for and through us all the time when you can get that in your mind and that and you really believe that about god then when something bad happens in your life you're not saying why did this happen or you're not saying god why did you do this to me or why did you let this happen to me or you know whatever you might be saying you just you say you know I know I can trust you because I know that you're out for my good all the time. Uh, we read this last week, and I'm not going to read it, but in Hebrews it says that uh, no chastening is joyful for the present, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it, those who have been exercised by it, those who have been learned by correction and instruction. Sometimes things happen in our life because we need to have a wake-up call and we need to reevaluate things and we need to make a, a directional change of our life. We may be just going along like this and we can't see it, but the Lord sees that there's this big big ditch up here that we're fixing to go into, you know, we're just going along blindly towards that ditch, and God is like, please, you know, let me get you back over here on the main road. Let me get you back going right again. I don't know. You just keep going. And, I mean, eventually, <clears throat> he'll, he'll begin to get more and more forceful until he gets our attention. And I don't think God does bad things to us, but, but his protection and his, and his watching over us, sometimes he just says, okay, you want to be a bullhead? You want to do what you want to do? Then I'm going to let you experience some of the consequences for a bad choice. And I think he just lets, he lets us do something. And then when we have a problem, it's like, oh, God, you know, help me. It's like, okay, now I got your attention. Now he can help us. But he does it all because he loves us and because it's for our good. Because if you just keep going that way, you're going to go off into the Grand Canyon and, you know, and it's all over. 
But if God can get you back onto the right path where it's safe and where he's protecting you and he's watching out for you, then that's better for you. I don't like crashing and burning. I like being happy and healthy and whole. He restores our soul. He wants to turn back our soul a little bit more and more and more. And now this can happen over and over and over again every day. This is not just something that, you know, I'm talking about happening once a week or once a month or once in your life. It's kind of like everything else in the Lord. It's a moment-by-moment -moment experience. And when we come into that place where it's like, yeah, this is good. You know, I recognize that God is for me. And when God is for me, who can be against me? And you begin to realize that you can get some of that restoration of your soul back. You begin to strengthen that inner man. We talked about that last week, too, that, you know, it's like weightlifting or something. In order to lift weights, you, you tear down your muscles so that they can be built back up. When they get built back up, hunky, you know, they grow. They're bigger than they were before. So that's, uh, that's the way it works in the spiritual realm, too. The muscles that you exercise get stronger. So if you're exercising your spiritual man, the inner man, if you're feeding and, and working that inner man and you're, you're feeding your soul and your spirit with God's word and worship and prayer and you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing, your inner man is getting stronger all the time. Your soul is getting stronger. And guess what else is happening? That natural side of you, that old sinful nature, it's getting weaker. The strong man is coming up. The spiritual man is getting stronger. The, the natural man is getting weaker. Because they can't both be exactly the same. One is going to rule. Now, what you want is for the spiritual man to be ruling all the time. But every now and then, you're probably going to slip up. The natural man's going to come back and going to kick you in the shin. You, oh, 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 oh. You know, it's okay. I mean, you don't, you don't want that to happen. But on the other hand, when it happens, know that the Lord has made a way so that you don't have to just wallow in self-pity and condemnation. You get up and you go on. You keep being restored. <clears throat> All right, so moving on. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That means that he leads us in the right way for his purposes. When we gladly accept that as truth and we believe it will be for our good, You'll follow the Lord gladly with no fear, no hesitation. Even if he leads you in the, you know, I, I saw a deal on the internet about these, these crazy goats that climb on this. I mean, it's like a, it's like, it's like this steep. It's a big dam. It's like 500 feet tall. And there's some kind of salt that seeps out that they really like to lick. And so these goats, they climb up there and they're just standing on little, I mean, the tiniest little ledge, you know, and if they fall, they could, they could lose their life. But they go because it's good. They want that. And when we realize that God is good and he's only going to do good in our lives, we'll follow him, even if it's one of those little narrow paths, even if it's one of those dark places where you've got to go down, even if it's a place where you know there could be danger lurking because he is with you and he's leading you. So in Psalm 16, he says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what he wants to do. He wants to show us the path of life, and he wants to lead us down that path for his namesake. It's not for our benefit exclusively, although we do benefit. 
it's for his benefit because he receives joy from blessing us and taking care of us and helping us. You know, that's, um, <clears throat> that's why he sent Jesus. That's why he did all that he did so we could be restored to him because it gives him joy to have the relationship with us. That's, that's pretty hard to get your mind around. I mean, most of us think he did that for us. I mean, we, we get the benefit from it. He did it for himself, for his namesake. He did it because he wants to have a relationship with us. Kind of changes your whole perspective on life when you think about it that way. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So we know he will never leave us or forsake us. <clears throat> Sometimes he leads us through those dark, scary times or scary places, but we don't have to fear because he's with us. And he has given us power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Matthew 28, 18 and 19, he said, and Jesus came and spoke to me. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So he has all authority, and he's with us. So that means when we are with him, walking hand in hand down the path that he's leading us in, we can exercise and operate in the authority of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you can just go out and do any old thing you want. But when you're doing what he has commissioned you to do, then you have the authority of the kingdom behind you. And then Luke 10, 19, he says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So when you're walking with the Lord, he's taking care of you. And all, by the way, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? You die and you go to be with the Lord? That's not so bad. Actually, technically, I guess the worst thing would be that you'd be maimed and crippled and you'd have to live the rest of your life, you know, with those issues. But even that, this life is so temporary, it's so short. It's all uh, just a, a tiny little drop in the ocean compared to eternity. And so if our whole existence in this life is miserable, I mean, it's going to be over soon. And we've got a lot to look forward to. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those are tools of the trade. If you're a shepherd, you've got a rod and a staff. That's how you, that's how you sort the sheep. That's how you, you protect the sheep. You know, if a lion or a bear comes, unless you're David, you know, you use a rod and you, you beat them away. You know, David just... Got him by the hair of the head. And, you know, I mean, he, he was full of the anointing. But most of the shepherds, they use the rod. They, you know, they back up, you know, you know like sword fight. You know, you make and, and they use the, the, you know, the shepherd's hook. You know, they, that's not just a cool thing to walk with. If a sheep gets into a crevice and stuck and can't get down there, you can reach down there and he can, he can help them a little bit. Or if they, they get into that not-so-still water and... You can reach out there and you can fetch them back to the shore. I mean, you know, those are things that shepherds use. Well, God has all the tools for the trade that he has. He knows how to watch over us. He knows how to protect us. He knows how to provide for us. He's got it all figured out, and he's not trying to figure it out like we are. That, that encourages me. 
You know, there are times where I don't understand things. I don't, I don't know how it's all going to work. I'm trying to, my mind is going 90 miles an hour trying to figure out how is this going to work? How is God going to do this? I don't really need to worry about that. He's got it under control. He's already handled it. I just need to trust him. His rod and his staff are there to comfort me. It's comforting to know. But he's given us a couple of things that are really good for us, and they become our tools of the trade, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And when we've used the Word of God and the Holy Spirit applies that truth of the Word to us, man, that's like the rod and the staff. I mean, they are there. They will lead us and guide us, and you're going to have the ability to figure out where you're going, what's going to happen when you get there, how do you get yourself out of a mess, you know, you, know, you, you can grab a hold and swim out. The Lord is there to help us. You're not on your own. John 16 refers to the Spirit as the comforter or the advocate. He, that means that he's, he's one who comes alongside to aid. He's there to help us. You know, God, when he created Adam and Eve, he created Eve as a companion for Adam but he gives all of us the Holy Spirit to be a comforter or an aid to us. It's not, it's not just to compliment us. I mean, the Holy Spirit is to, to do everything that we need in the spiritual realm. That's God's agent for doing it, the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us if we're a believer. If you're baptized in the Spirit, then you have the ability to, to pray in a, in a language. You have the ability to, to hear the voice of God clearly, more clearly. Those are all things that we develop, and, and as we walk with the Lord, we grow and we become more and more mature. It's hard to hear the voice of the Lord when you're a new Christian, but as you've been walking with the Lord years after years after years, and you're reading the Word, and, you're, and you begin to understand what God's all about, then when you have those thoughts, you can, you can figure out, that's the Lord, or no, that's not the Lord, because that's a violation of Scripture. I know that's not the Lord. You know, the Lord's not going to tell you to go out and kill someone, even if it's an abortionist or a bad person. That's not what God's going to tell you to do. And so if you get those kind of thoughts, eh, not the Lord. You know, if you want to give money and you get this thought, I could just go rob this bank or I could go swindle these people out of that money and I could give it to God. Eh, not the Lord. You know, God is not going to tell you something that's contrary to his word. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So <clears throat> imagine a king, and he's got all these right-hand men. I can tell you the story right from the Word of God. Remember King David? Before he was king, he was under Saul. And Saul, you know, every day he wanted all of his right-hand guys to come have a, a meal. And so David would go, and he'd sit down with him, but... There was this odd thing, though, because Saul was really jealous of David, and he knew that God was going to turn the kingdom over to him at some point, and that meant that his children, his descendants, weren't going to be the king. And so there was this enmity there, and Saul had tried to kill David on numerous occasions. You know, he, David would be playing the harp, you know, and Saul was grooving out, and then all of a sudden he just grabbed the spear, and just, whoosh, you know, and David was like, you know, okay, I'm out of here. Well, so think about that now. So here's David sitting there at the table with Saul and all of his valiant men. 
and most of them were loyal to Saul. Some of them were actually relatives of Saul. And Saul was going to lose the kingdom, and he knew it. I think that's what David was talking about here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, you're able to sit right down there, and no one was going to just jump up and kill David right there at the table. And he knew that. Because in the presence of the king, if you're invited to be there, it's safe. We're in the presence of the king. He's invited to be, to be at his table. And he prepares that table, and it doesn't matter the circumstances of life. Sometimes circumstances in life can be upside down and sideways and messed up, and, and you can be questioning everything that's going on. But if you'll just take a breath, calm yourself a little bit, get your mind focused back on the Word of God, you'll realize that there's not anything that's too difficult for him. And all the messed up stuff in our life, you know, God can sort that out. And he can give us the ability to walk through it and to do that, just like David said, in the very presence of our enemies where we don't have to be concerned about it. And then David turned around. After Saul was dead, he brought in one of Saul's, one of Saul's grandsons. And he, he brought him to his table. And he said, okay, you can sit with me and enjoy free meals. You can have anything you want. I'm going to treat you just like you're my own child. Mephibosheth was the same way. He was sitting there at a table full of enemies because all of David's men who were loyal to him were thinking, this rat is one of the Saul's relatives. He shouldn't be here at this table. But it was safe to be there because he was invited by the king. You anoint my head with oil. Psalms 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, like the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. And i got to say, that doesn't really sound all that great to me. You know, glug, 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 you know, pour a bunch of oil. To, you know, it kind of messes up your hairdo. Uh, but in that time period, it was, it was really a, a great thing because what it did is it, is it gave you acceptance, and it gave you recognition, and it was, it was an anointing, a starting of something new and special. And so that's what he's referring to, because Aaron was anointed as the priest. And when he was anointed as a priest, they poured that oil on his head. Uh, they anointed kings that same way. Sometimes they would anoint a king in secret, because uh, if you anointed him publicly, there'd be a battle. And so... When God chose a new king that was not the king that was in order to be the king, <laughs> it was usually done in secret. So it was a cool thing back then to have your head anointed with oil. And that oil, you know, we all understand also represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God is, is pouring over us. And, and it's, you think about that, it, it starts up here, it's coming down into your mind, beginning to renew your mind, restore the inner part of you, and it's beginning to coat you, it's beginning to protect you. Oil was, oil was a good, uh, good for a lot of things. I mean, you, they ate it, they, they used it to dress wounds. I mean, it was good for all kinds of things. Good for whatever ails you, you know, just, you got a problem, drink some olive oil. You know, you got a problem, rub it on that wound. You got a problem, you know, whatever. Comb your hair with it, you know, whatever. Olive oil. 
The anointing oil is, uh, and we still use oil. We have, we have anointing oil right here available. Sometimes people want special prayer. We, we anoint with oil sometimes when they ask for it or when we feel like we ought to. That's scriptural. It's, the oil itself doesn't do anything except it represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we want to recognize that the Holy Spirit is the one that does all the work. My cup runs over. <clears throat> That's the abundant life. And rivers of living water gushing out of our innermost being. In John 7, it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Your cup runs over. When you begin to allow the Lord to restore your soul, you begin to allow the Lord to renew your mind that you begin to think biblically, you begin to think the way that God wants you to think, then you're going to find that that living water begins to flow out of you a lot more frequently. And I've been praying, Lord, make me a gusher for Jesus. I, want to, I don't want just a trickle. I mean, I want it to come gushing out. That's what he said, right? Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. It didn't say they're going to trickle out. It said they're going to flow out. We all want to be gushers for Jesus. The living water coming out of us. If that's the way we live our lives, I promise you, you will begin to see people that you come in contact with affected by that living water. Because when you're in the light and you walk in the light and you have living water coming out of you and that's what gives you the strength and your sustenance every day, that living water in you, I promise it will affect people around you. They'll begin to look at you and say, you're different. What are, what's going on with you? Why are you so happy all the time? Why are you always smiling? Why is it every time something happens, instead of saying, oh me, you say, praise the Lord. Well, there's your open door. And you can say, I'll tell you why. It's because I believe in Jesus Christ. And he lives inside me. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The very nature and character of God are going to be instilled in you, and they're going to surround you all the days of your life. And I'm saying that because in Exodus 34, it says, The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Think about that. Abounding in goodness. He's merciful, keeping mercy for thousands. That's who God is. That's God's very nature. Goodness and mercy are going to follow you all the days of your life when you walk with the Lord because that's who God is. And God never leaves you or forsake you. He walks right along with you. You think about that. How can you not get excited? How can you not realize that every day when you get up and you start going about your business, it's going to be okay because God's right there with you. And when problems start happening, it's like, well, it's okay because God's right here with me. When stuff starts going wrong, it's okay because God's right here with me. When you have difficulties, it's okay because goodness and mercy follow me. All the days of my life. you got to be convinced of that. If you're not convinced of that, then you're going to say, oh no, here it goes again. That's a lie. You need to be saying, oh no, there it goes again because I just got rid of it. Goodness and mercy follow me. I'm not accepting the other stuff. 
And I'm not talking about positive confessions either, although you ought to say good things rather than bad things. Uh, I'd rather say I believe what God says rather than, you know, I believe I'm going to have a horrible day and everything's going to fall apart. But the power of all of that is in what Jesus did, and it's not in what you say, although I think you ought to be careful what you say, because as a man thinks in his heart, that's what he is, and that's how he speaks. For out of your heart flow all the issues of life. Well, if you believe God and you trust God and you're all about God's goodness, that's what you're going to talk about. You're not going to be talking about all the horrors of life. Sorry, if you're a grumbler and a complainer, I probably just stepped on your toes. But that's okay. You probably need to have your toes stepped on. Man. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You've got to be convinced of that. One of these days I may preach that and have two people follow me around. Goodness and mercy. Everywhere I go, just follow me around. You know, I'm walking back and forth. Follow me around. You know, get to a visual picture of uh, the fact that God's goodness, His blessing, overtakes us. It's like it literally, it's chasing us down and overtaking us. That's the way God's blessing works in our lives. We ought, to, we ought to rejoice over that. Man. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but would have everlasting life. You're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When the Lord is your shepherd, you're not going to want in this life and you're going to live forever in that life. John 17, Jesus said, This is eternal life. They may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Man, the Psalms, this Psalm is full of so much good stuff. You could preach for a year on this one Psalm and never even get close to exhausting it all. But I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> Worship team, y'all can come back. So here's what I want to have you do. I want to have you uh, prepare right now as, as we're getting ready to start singing again. I want you to start thinking about the fact that we're going to allow an opportunity for the Lord to come and to restore our souls as we worship. There you go, Brian. Uh, I want you to think about who God is and what he's done and what he is doing. That This is an opportunity for us to look at our lives and begin to think about all the things that were discussed in this 23rd Psalms. Where we go, where we feed, where we get our sustenance from. Are we getting our sustenance from God or are we getting it from the world? And I'm not talking about news, but, but just be aware that, you know, when you, whatever you feed yourself, that's how you're going to grow. That's how you're going to change. That's how you're going to develop. If you feed yourself trash, you're going to be trashy. Sorry. If you feed yourself with good, healthy stuff, you're going to be healthy. If you drink polluted water, you're probably going to have dysentery. 
it's just the way it works. You know, for y'all that don't understand that term, that's diarrhea. You know, <laughs> very unpleasant. You don't want that. Did you know that in the world, did you know that that's the majority of death in the whole world is caused from dysentery because people don't have good water? You know, we're so blessed in this country. We have good water. Two-thirds of the planet, you know, they don't even have good water. Stuff that we take for granted, we just pour it out on the ground and the rest of the world is drinking out of muddy puddles and stuff. We've been so blessed. But when we recognize the areas of our lives where maybe we're not walking in the paths of righteousness for his sake, maybe we're walking in some paths for our own sake, maybe we're walking through the valley and we're fear and evil. Maybe we forgot that his rod and staff are right there with us. Maybe we forgot that that goodness and mercy has fallen us. So as we, as we worship, I want you to think about that because this is an opportunity for you to, to get in your mind who God is and what he's done. And when you get that clearly in there and you realize areas where you've not trusted him like you should, we're going to pray in a minute. And when we do that, you're going to get some restoration in your soul. So let's stand and worship.
Psalms 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my anxieties, and see if there is any way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. In Psalm 62, it says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. So Lord, those things that you've spoken to us, those things that you've revealed to us, areas of our lives where we've not trusted you fully, our soul waits on you, Lord. We choose to give you free reign. We lay everything out before you. We submit ourselves fully to you. We lay everything naked and bare before you to say, here I am. You know my heart. You see my heart, my inward man. Search me and try me. Find any wicked way in me and let's get it out of there. So Lord, all the areas where I've not trusted you like I should, areas where I've gotten ahead of you or I've lagged behind or I've gone to the right or the left when I should have been going straight. I want you, Lord, to restore my soul. Heal me, Lord. So I confess and I repent, Lord, all those areas where I've, I've not trusted you like I should. I've, I've made poor choices. I've decided to do this and instead of following you. Or I've, I've been strong-willed or I've been bitter at someone and I just wasn't willing to give it up or let it go. Unforgiveness that's bound me because... They did me wrong, and I thought I had a right to, to hold that against them. But, Lord, now I realize that I want to be healed. I want to be whole. I don't want to, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be filled with, with bitterness and poison. I want to be filled with that living water. I want to be a gusher for you, Jesus. So forgive me and cleanse me. Wash me in your blood. And I acknowledge that you alone are God. And that your goodness and your mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. And I will not fear. I will not have any lack or want because you are the good shepherd and you're leading me. And you're leading me right into the very best that's available. I thank you for that, Lord. Raise me up to newness of life. Restore my soul. Turn me back a little bit so that I'm a little more like you intend for me to be. Every day, Lord, over and over again, restore my soul. Turn me back so that I'm more like you. My strong inner man will rise up and begin to overthrow that natural man. That inner man would be a spiritual man. He'd overthrow and dominate that natural man. That sin would not have dominion over me. That bad attitudes would not have dominion over me. That bitterness would not have dominion over me. That unforgiveness Anger would not have dominion over me, but I would have dominion over them. I put all those things under my feet, and I am healed, and I am whole. And by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit, I will be new in those areas. 
And I thank you, Lord, that you hear my prayer. Thank you that you're cleansing me and changing me, restoring me every moment of every day. I cling to you, Lord. It's only in you and in your provision. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. Well, Lord, that is our cry this morning. We need you. You are our one defense. You are our righteousness. Everything we have is in you, Lord. In my own strength, I can do nothing. And yet, in you, I can do all things. Because you strengthen me, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you heard our prayers this morning. Thank you for restoring us this morning, Lord. Thank you for turning us back a little bit more this morning. And we're going to keep pursuing you, Lord. We're going to keep praying and asking you to test us and try us and search our hearts. Shine your light into us. Expose every area of darkness, every area that's not fully surrendered, every area we, we don't trust you completely. Lord, we want to be restored in our inward man. Thank you for that. So go with us now, Lord. Bless and watch over everyone. Those that have prayed, seal those words. Do a miraculous work, Lord. Those that don't know you, I pray you draw them to you, Lord, that they would come to a place where they'd say yes, because they want to know you as that good shepherd that watches over them. Draw their hearts to you now. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.